so sorry about that. Thanks for your patience. So I am an eyewitness news reporter. I have been, I started my career at Jacaranda FM in 2010. Um, I worked there for just over three years, and then I joined the Eyewitness News team, 702, as most of you would know it as well. Um, I've been there for over five years, and it's one of the largest newsrooms um, compared to our competitors, and we've got quite a big team. Um, so we're all competing for that big news story. And sitting in that diary meeting, we all have to come up with a unique story idea. And it's tough time sometimes. Um, so you need to think out of the box. And for the last three years, I've been trying to find my speciality, something that will really set me apart from my competitors. And it's not always easy, but what I found is that it's not always, the story is not always with the politicians. It's not always with that PR statement. It's sometimes something as simple as going to a community like El Dorado Park or wherever the story leads you and to spend a few hours there with the community. You'd be really surprised to see what you can get. The stories, people raising their concerns. It's all about connecting with the community and sometimes you'll be really surprised about the content, the things that they can give you, it will lead you to other angles and, and other stories. It will open up this, this box of just endless angles and, and the story will lead you. So I have been doing this uh, specifically with uh, Herman Mashaba, the Joburg mayor, who was newly appointed and he was cleaning up the city. And at that time, everybody was jumping on the fact that he's doing something right, something that his predecessor, Park Style, didn't really succeed. So everybody was excited and joined him on his roadshows and while they, they go into these hijacked buildings, as some call it, because it's not really hijacked, but, um, and they report on the great news of what the mayor is doing. But it made me think about, what about the people? What about those who don't choose to live there? They don't have another option. They want to stay safe. And at that stage, nobody really touched that kind of, that angle of the story. And because it's, it's unsafe, uh, let's face it, uh, while I was doing the story, I at one stage had to run, pick up all our equipment and run, go to a shop and ask someone to come and pick us up. It's, it's obviously uh, you deal with some people who, who want you, will do anything just to, to get you off the story. So I'm going to play you a sound bite. It is basically two voices that I mix together just for time-wise. Um, and this is the piece that I entered for the Le Liberty Radio Awards. And with this one, I won the award of uh, best report in the field. And... I just want you to listen to it. Um, if you want to, you can close your eyes. It will take you to the scene. In the pitch dark of the Van der Stau mansions here on Commissioner Street, the air smells strongly of urine and flies buzz from room to room. Cleaning facilities and toilets have been ripped out to create more living space. Belisiwe Mzila was born here 19 years ago. She calls conditions at the only home she's ever known 
inhumane. It's such a problem. It's not a healthy place. It's actually we live in a poverty place. It's just a dumping site. Nzila leads eyewitness news to the back of the building, where residents dump their buckets of waste and dirty water. Because there's no toilets, they use the buckets and store them beside. When police raid this building, they use a bolt cutter to force their way into rooms, searching through residents' belongings and lifting mattresses on the hunt for illegal substances or weapons. Residents say at night some people smoke nyaupe and criminals hide in dark corners. They know it's illegal to stay here without paying, but as one woman explains, it's safer than being on the street. Yes, I know that. But because there's nobody who can pay rent, just think because we are not working. The 61-year-old grandmother has called this place home for 24 years. Although it's unsafe and unhygienic, she has no choice. It's tough to stay in India. It's horrible. Sometimes I cannot sleep. No, no, can wear everybody. You still in something in somebody and then they run and come inside. Mia Lindiki, Eyewitness News, Johannesburg. Basically, if you want to know how to create this audio, just to basically take your listeners to that building. Because I bet you, when you close your eyes, you created your own image of how the JNPD officers ran up the stairs, knocked on the doors, and just invaded people's privacy. Um, people who didn't ask for this, people who just want to stay safe. They don't choose to, to stay in that building and this is the, the idea behind storytelling in radio. And that's what I've been trying to, to create with my pieces. To step aside from the headlines and take one day, two days, and create this image, create something else that nobody actually has the time in radio for. So how do you do it? Let's start with the beginning. When you arrive at the scene or whatever you choose to do, I usually start with my mic and I just hold it up in the air and start listening to what triggers me. If I see someone crying, go hold the mic there. Get that background sound. If you are at a dumping site, you'll listen to other example I'm going to play you now. Listen to the seagulls. That's part of your story. You need to capture that moment because that, when a mommy is driving in her car the next morning to go drop her children off at school, she wants to feel part of the story. She was not there, but she wants to be captured in that moment. And it's all about storytelling. How do, what really triggers you at that scene? For me, for instance, with this story, is that mother, the granny who was sitting with the child playing in the sand, oblivious about what was happening. She didn't choose to be there. And something else that I did with this story is, because it is so overwhelming with evidence and, and, and new story ideas, I took my camera and I snapped a few pictures. Because the moment when, and also make notes, how you feel at that moment, uh, for me, with the JMPD walking up, banging on the doors, it was a frightening experience. And I'm not even the person at the other end of the, of the door. It's someone is invading your space. And that I wrote down on a piece of paper so that I can, when I'm back in the, in the newsroom, I remember how I felt. And it helps you to recreate that moment. 
Um, so it might be very overwhelming, but it helps you if you just start from the beginning and try to recreate that moment. So it's very important to, to capture as much sound as you can about what, what's happening around you and your emotions because that's going to be central to creating that final piece. So it's easy to say how to create this voice, excuse me. But how do we do it? So at Eyewitness News, I am going to show you. It's not uh, be all, end all, but this is my trick and how I've been coping. Because when you're in the field, it's not that easy. You can't always maneuver, laptop, everything. It's unsafe. What do you do? I've got one app, and that's my Bible. I live by this. It's called um, Twisted Wave. So... <clears throat> I'm going to show you a video of how I create this in the field. You don't have to go into a studio. You don't have fancy equipment. It's your phone, and that's what you need. So I'm going to show you the video. I hope it works, um, but it's going to be fast. If you don't, if you're not familiarized with this app, it's going to be fast, but I'll walk you through it, and maybe afterwards we can see how we can um, get this to you. You want to maybe look at it in your own time. Wow, no, not yet. Can I take it off? So this is Twisted Wave. You open it. This is just a, a template that I made last night. So I did record it. So you'll listen. There will be a sound. So just look out for the difference when there's lull. There's nothing. It's just a voice. And then later you can hear when there's background, how it changes the whole story. So first you create a recording, and there, this is me recording the voice part. Uh, this is just an extract of exactly this one that I entered for the Liberty Radio Awards. It's just a snippet so that we don't waste time. Um, there I am busy recording it. Um, and you'll see you, you need, it's very fast, and uh, you can do it from the field anyway. Um, and it's going to play now so that you can hear. Mzila leads eyewitness news to the back of the building where residents dump their buckets of waste and dirty water. When police raid this building, they use a bolt cutter to force their way into rooms, searching through residents' belongings and lifting mattresses on the hunt for illegal substances or weapons. Mia Lindiki, eyewitness news. Okay, so then... The next phase is now, I've already recorded the clip of the women who I want to attach. Now I'm going to grab it and go back to my original voiceer and I simply... This building, they use a bolt cutter, the dump space. their buckets and police the rape. And there, I'm going to attach it. It's as simple as that. And now I'm just cleaning it up. Because you might need to make sure that it's, it's flowing. Um, there's just some more editing. And you go back 
to that JMPD sound. That's the knocking on the door. You really want to, to create that image. And there you have to go and embed it where you speak how they are going up in the rooms. You duplicate it so that while you're speaking about it, people can visually also experience it. And there's just a general background where I have recorded what was happening in the surroundings. And now, in a short while, you're going to listen to what difference it makes when you've got that background. You take people to the scene. It's not only creating a... Mzila leads eyewitness news to the back of the building where residents dump their buckets of waste and dirty water. Because there's no toilets, they use the buckets and store them beside. When police raid this building, they use a bolt cutter to force their way into rooms searching through residents' belongings and lifting mattresses on the hunt for illegal substances or weapons. Mia Lindiki, Eyewitness News. You can hear the difference. This, um, obviously, it makes a huge difference when you've got that background because now you're taking people to that scene. So I want to also show you some technology that we use. Um, I don't know if you guys know about iRig. Have some of you seen this? This is um, it's about 1,000 Rand. Um, you, you get it from, it's an international company, and it's all you need for quality sound. You plug this, you'll see, it's a mini jack. You plug it into your phone, and um, it's basically, got, it monitors your levels here, and you plug it into your cable, and it goes into your mic, and that's all you need. You don't need... Obviously, some people will say you do need fancy Marantz, yes, of course. But when you're in the field and you're struggling with all the equipment, you want to get stuff out fast, you use an iRig. It's very easy, iRig. And our entire news team, I've managed to get all of us on this. It is the fastest way to get sound, to edit sound, and it's quality. You can even plug it in if there is a sound box at the back. Um, it is the cheapest way, and it's also quality sound, and it's fast. So I want to play you another sound bite. It's uh, one of my latest uh, pieces. I've worked on it just last week. I'm very proud of it. Um, it's about the recycling in the city of Johannesburg. We all know that recycling is compulsory. It started on um, Monday. Um, so everybody was covering the usual angles of what the city requires you to do, why you should recycle. But my colleague and I, it's a multimedia journalist, uh, Krista Abers, we wanted to take the story a bit further. And I'm not going to say much. I just want you to listen to two sound bites. There's going to be a dramatic pause in between. Don't panic. Um, I'm going to play it to you now. Uh, you, again, if you want to close your eyes, you're welcome to do it. There are warnings from the city of Joburg that it's running out of space for rubbish and it risks hitting an ultimate, an ultimate disaster point in six years if nothing is done. The city's concerns that if drastic measures aren't taken, household refuse will have to be transported by train to a landfill site in Mpumalanga and ratepayers will have to shoulder the costs. From Sunday, Joburg residents will be compelled to separate garbage from recyclable material. Mia Lindeke reports. A man-made mountain of 88 years of piled-up waste. This is Johannesburg's largest refuse dump, the Robinson Deep landfill site in Turfontein. The stench of rotten food, the noise of garbage trucks and a cloud of dust fill the air here. 
Pick it up, General Manager Mzukizi James says 2,500 tons of rubbish is dumped here every day and the site will hit maximum capacity soon. Three years of space remaining, particularly relating to this Robinson Deep facility at the moment. MMC for Environmental Affairs Nico de Yaga says the only way to avert a crisis is to make household recycling compulsory. Behind us we've got a mountain of waste. Once upon a time that was a flat piece of land. In six years' time, this landfill space will be encroaching on where we live. Only 10% of Joburg's waste ends up in recycling plants. The target is to increase that figure to at least 30%. Mia Lindiki, Eyewitness News, Turfontaine. Okay, so that is the voice, uh, two voices. Some waste pickers in Johannesburg have told Eyewitness News they fear the city's efforts to make recycling compulsory for residents will impact their business. From Sunday, people living in the suburbs, townships or in a complex will be supplied with a recycling bag once a week to dispose of items like paper, glass and cans. But the city's assured the almost 6,000 entrepreneurs who work as waste pickers that the project will in fact make their jobs easier. Mia Lindeke has the story. It's just after 4 a.m. and waste pickers here in Bryanston are pushing trolley loads of recyclable items to a truck owned by an independent contractor that pays for recyclable items. Jabulani Mflongo has been working at the Robinson Deep landfill site in Turfontaine for over 22 years. He's worried there will be nothing left to salvage once the recycling project is in full swing. Our complaints as recyclers are that if government wants to take over the recycling, we'll go hungry. 30-year-old Maxwell Zungu is also concerned the city's new project will have a massive impact on his livelihood. So this is our last job that we have. Do you think that this is going to put you out of your job? Seriously, definitely. And your colleagues, do they feel the same? They feel the same. Even if if government can help us, I'll be happy. Waste pickers here can earn up to 13,000 rand a month. Mia Lindiki, Eyewitness News, Turfontaine. For a video report on the story, you can log on to ewn.co.za and click on the multimedia tab. Okay, now it's finished. Sorry, I forgot about that. I'm my own second voice. <laughs> um, so, do you agree with me? It would not have the same impact if the background sound was not there. And the descriptive words of the fact that I was literally standing on 88 years of piled up waste. It's that shocking factor. And the moment you're at that scene, it gives your listeners a new perspective of why they should trust you and why you are there. And that is why we went there. And I'm actually the first one who thought of going to a landfill site to tell this recycling story. And after, soon after, we reported on this. We had a video as well. Other media houses started going to that same landfill site because the pictures, the video content, and the, just the information is just so shocking. And the reason why I want to encourage you when you do a story or you think about how can I tell a story in a different way, start at the bottom, go to the community, or go to the scene, even though you don't have any idea, you'd be amazed by what you'll get. We were standing there trying just to do a straight up voice about the landfill site and why it's so shocking that we need to recycle. And we started speaking to some of the waste pickers and they told us that they are scared that they might lose their jobs. How are they gonna feed their families? And after that, 
The next morning, I had to wake up at 3 a.m. to go and look for waste pickers in the city. And that's where I recorded the sound of a waste picker pulling his trolley. And that sound makes such a huge difference. And that is why I just want to get you excited about finding ways to tell an ordinary math story in a new way that will set you apart and why people want to listen to you and not your competitor. Just some interesting facts, because I see we still have time. Radio is no longer just about voices, about that recording in the news bulletin. We are so much more now. You can't just keep it with a simple recording. It's about everything. Now at Eyewitness News, we are trained to do take photos, to videos, and it's all such a central part of getting that story out. For instance, this video, I don't have time to show the video, but the video that we did there at the landfill site, it just, it, it created so much attraction. Um, video was watched in one week 3,500 times, and an explanation of me in a kitchen, what you can recycle, what not, 22,000 times in one week. And just because we were feeding it to the one platform to the other, Facebook, um, videos, Instagram, on air, we all said go to listen to 702 or go watch the video, and that's how you create your space and you own that story on all platforms. That's it from my side. Um, I'm I just wanted to ask you, Mia, you know, we were speaking with my colleagues the other days about press conferences, oh sorry, about press conferences and how they've become so redundant and how they're always the same. I just wanted you to, your comment from your side, what do you feel about press briefings now? Because this story, you could have just phoned Niku uh, Diacha and got that sound from him and you would have ended it there instead of going to the landmark. So your comment on press briefings now, nowadays. Well, I'm not going to lie to you, I feel exactly the same, but there is still a need for us to go to a press conference because there you get an opportunity to ask the important questions on some of your own investigations. So many times I've done stories about children or women abuse, um, and then I actually go to a police briefing so that I can ask Peggy clearly that specific question on the side. But it's still very important to give our listeners what they need, because if they don't get it from what was said in that press statement or in that press conference, they're going to look for it somewhere else. So we still need to give them that. But on the side, we must give them more, because they want more. They just don't want Becky Kele speaking about the same thing every single day. So we need to cover that, but we also need to explain to them why they have been going on about it. And when you do get time and your editor does allow you to take a day off and, and go and spend some time with people who have been affected by crime or whatever your story is based on, that is what you want to do. So there is space to cover both.
Um, I have a question. I've been always curious about. So when you um, produce a radio, you you have administration. You don't have a camera. You can record people secretly. So what is your view about this uh, secret uh, recording? If it's uh, profitable for your work, uh, for your audience, but you might kind of violate some kind of law. Uh, in South Africa, we are not allowed to record anyone without permission. So um, that is against the law. Um, so, for instance, when you phone someone, uh, you have to make it clear that you are going to record the person. Most of the time, they say it's off the record. So you can make notes uh, for your own personal, just to understand the story better, but you're not allowed to record. Um, and that's a downside about it, but it also keeps people intact because we can't just go with whatever we want to. Otherwise, we're just going to be like my editor always says, cowboy journalist. Uh, we need to be responsible as well because otherwise we're going to give this industry a really bad name because, uh, I mean, we can't just go on uh, putting anyone's... Uh, interviews out there. For instance, Mduduzi um, Manana. Uh, there was that morning when the story broke that Mduduzi Manana allegedly assaulted Christine Wiro, his domestic worker. I was on the desk. Um, I received that call and we had to verify some of the information. There was a voice message going around where someone recorded Mduduzi Manana. As the media, we know exactly this is Mduduzi Manana, but we can't broadcast it at all because he didn't know he was recorded. And trust me, so many media houses wanted to broadcast it, and I think some of them actually did, but it's irresponsible because that person can actually sue. In, it's against our media laws in South Africa. Um, I noticed that when you were packaging on Twisted Wave that you record your ambient sound um, separately to your voicer. So I wanted to find out whether you prefer to record on location or record your voicer in studio. So it's a bit of both. I mean, uh, when it's a developing story, I prefer doing it on the scene. That's why this one is so unique, Twisted Wave, because it's, it takes like literally like five, five minutes at most to, to do, do all of that because you need to bear in mind you do have to do Q&As and uh, feed into the bulletins every half an hour and you need to tweet. So many things that you have to do. So you need to find the quickest way to get your story out there. Um, and you're competing with everyone else. But what I usually do, and I don't know what is the system in other newsrooms, but at Eyewitness News, when we do a story, we need to package for right now, package for the drive and the morning. And usually the morning is your strongest angle. Um, so that's why I will record everything and I'll package on site what is necessary most for drive as well. But I'll save all of that sound and for later and I'll go and package Usually because then I've been working 12, 13 hours, I'll mostly do it from home. Um, but, I mean, that's why you need to record all the background so you can take your listener back there and you don't do a dry voice. Sir. You mentioned your editor, and I think with these kind of stories, how do you balance 
uh, the complexity of being able to, you could do, you know, a one hour documentary about this if you spent more time there. But obviously you need to get back to the newsroom. How do you balance just your time with complexity? So it is quite um, a battle between editors and journalists about this theme. Um, I have been fighting um, about a story to do an in-depth investigation in Eldorado Park. Um, it took me literally like more than a month, actually two months, because so many times something big will happen. I think at that time there was a cabinet reshuffle. We were on our way in the car already on our way to Eldorado Park, setting up crucial interviews with people who wanted to spill the beans. And so many times you'll get a call from the office saying, turn around, there's been a cabinet reshuffle, and that's the downside about being in the mainstream media. You have to cover that as well. So, like I say, it's an ongoing battle, but you have to fight for your stories. Sometimes I'll do it um, just after my shift, or it's not, preferably it's not the best, um, but you make time. You need to fight for your stories, and it's, it's a balance because once you sell that great story to your editor, She's going she's gonna to be on board. It's all about selling your story. And so many times I sit in, a new, in, in our diary meetings and you recognize that's going to be a great story, but this journalist is not selling that story. And I think it all comes down to selling your story to your editor so that they understand if they cut down on one or two days, they're going to get content for weeks.